Welcome to the Creative Entrepreneur Show. Hey, Brian, what do we have this week? Hey, Rosh, uh, I am all in on AI today. Um, so first uh, topic, not sure how to use AI. We'll just ask it yourself. And uh, also just how to stop any AI anxiety. Um, and then I have an AI-related question for you. What do you have going on? Excellent. Um, I have something that WordPress is offering long-term, and it brings up a few questions about technology and the way we look at technology in the future. Uh, SEO, something that uh, Google's indexing that you may not know about, Mm -hmm. and then uh, making business easier. Uh, I have some questions that we can talk about and some specific questions for you too. So, uh, hey, let's talk AI. What do you got, Brian? All right, cool. So a lot of people, um, they ask me, you know, how to get into the first steps of AI. They've heard it in the news and uh, they they really want to know just how to get started with it. And, you know, going back to our conversation, what, about a half a year ago or so, actually a little over that, um, when AI was really first breaking through, the, the primary source to use it was ChatGPT. So um, my main advice when it comes to something like ChatGPT is if you're going to get the ball rolling and using it, you know, download it, log in, do what you have to do. And you can download it now on your phone. It's available on, I believe, Apple and Android. And uh, your first steps to use ChatGPT are just to ask ChatGPT how to use it. So this is, you know, it's a novel idea of us, you know, having a tool that we can actually ask the tool how to yeah. use the tool. Um, so it's a, you know, we have to break our own traditional mental molds. And um, so what my advice is, is when you do, you know, you have your first prompt there and it's a blank screen, um, explain to chat GPT who you are. So maybe what your job is and explain what your pain points are and literally ask it how it can help you. And when you do see the prompt, if you don't get the answer that you're looking for, ask it the follow-up questions. So that's, you know, something that a lot of people, um, you know, they're not used to having that back and forth conversation with technology. Um, so, you know, if, uh, if it does give you a good idea and you're not sure how to implement that idea, again, I know to oversimplify this, but ask chat GPT, how to, you know, I think a lot of times people get, um, they have the Google mentality, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, just go to search, ask the question, here's the list and that's it. You know, you, yeah, you can go back and ask again, but it's, it's not a conversation. They don't realize you really can have a conversation here and Mm -hmm. follow up with a real, just straight up question. You would ask your friend, um, ask a professional, what do you mean by that? And, yeah, and you can take it a step further and say, explain it to me as though I'm 12 years old. Right. <laughs> you know, come it yeah. down. And, you know, you just have to ask it. And it's all just, you know, I keep saying the power of the question, but that's really the next revolution is learning what questions to ask these tools in order for us to be most effective applying the tools. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's so important. Intent is so important in this process. I mean, you have to... That That's why the term prompt engineering has been developed mm-hmm. because you you... People are really making a business out of teaching people how to develop intent with their questions. And and to your point, the power of the question and learning how to do that is a skill. And if you understand that, now you can expand out, okay, it's not... It's something I can develop and get better at, which, again, garbage in, garbage out. And so the better your questions, the better off you'll be. 
Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's really the the next, um, you know, step in our, our development, I think, even as a society is just in general learning, you know, the ways to use our tools uh, a bit better. So speaking of which, uh, one of the most effective website building tools, WordPress has a new offering. What do you have going on now? Oh, yeah. So let's look long term. How about um, registering your domain for 100 years? Ooh. WordPress has now offered that. Usually your maximum registration is about 10 years. Well, they're giving you the 100-year option uh, for a cool $38,000. You can have your domain registered for 100 years. No problem. It's yours. Now, the the question, and uh, and this is kind of one I pose to you, uh, is, look, do you really need a domain for 100 years? Is technology, I mean, just look at, the changes we've talked about now and where and how we're going to get our information. Now, will a domain change the way we see a domain now? You know, could, could that domain still be available, but in a totally different form? You know what I mean? Like your own place in the holographic world. You know, I don't know. I mean, just what what would that mean? Now, the reason they're doing this is because of legacy, obviously, companies who just want to hold their name family names, that 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 kind of thing. And if you, you have an extra 38 grand, you you can just make sure you're covered. Um, but, you know, what, what do you think about that? I mean, what, is that uh, something that you think, even if you do have, you know, $38,000 sitting in your pocket, I mean, is that something you should actually invest in? Is it, do you think it's even going to be around in 100 right. years? I think it's bold of WordPress to claim that websites will even exist in a hundred years. They could be, you know, mental images in our brain with the, you know, computer chip link in our brain. So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of like naming a star a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Put yourself example. out there in the universe after yourself, but you know, what what good is it going to be in ten to fifteen? I don't know. I, I don't I don't see much benefit over locking it down over ten years, but. You know, I mean, cost analysis, if, you know, the if the cost of, you know, of doing it over 30 years is, you know, more expensive if you did it 10 years at a time rather than purchasing the 100 years, maybe it's worth it then to get the 100 and, you know, you're at least good for the next 20 to 30. Uh, <laughs> so, but that's kind of WordPress's, you know, way of uh, marrying you to your website till death do you part pretty much. No kidding. No kidding. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends on cost analysis, really, if it's worth sure. it to, you know, drop yeah. the, the full dime. Cool. What do you got next? All right. AI anxiety. So, you know, it's, it's human nature um, to be, to be just scared of the unknown thinking back, you know, way, way back when, if something moves faster than us, if something is bigger than us, we're automatically as humans, we're a little bit scared of it. Um, If something's a little bit smarter than us and uh, I get it. So, you know, that's a reason why there is an anxiety being built up over AI because all of a sudden it's showing capabilities that, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Rosh, but I can't write a blog in three seconds. Um, you know, I can maybe, you know, after three, four hours with some research. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, you know, these things, they're not perfect when they come out. But, you know, it's no. just it's its impressive what, what it's able to do. And it's natural for that to create some anxiety. But I just want to remind people that AI, it's, it's already kind of it's been a part of our life for a little while now. 
um, you know, the predictive um, speech when you're typing into Google, um, apps like Grammarly that are going mm-hmm. in and constantly analyzing our grammar. Um, those are all using AI technology, and we've already been using these things for some time. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the first time when I got into my car and it was like, hey, are you going to the gym? And I'm like, how do you know my schedule? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> out of my brain right now. Um, so, you know, granted, it was startling. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? You're right. I am going to BNI or I am doing something. So I'll use my GPS. So um, it's already been a part of our life. Um, and just like almost everything, the main piece of advice also is just turn off the news. <laughs> um <laughs> If you are going to be reading or finding anything about AI, I I definitely suggest to to make sure that your information is science-based. You know, there are sources that are giving out some really good information. What I suggest is there's one place called The Batch. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Batch gives a lot of really good um, AI-based information. Um, MIT News, that's Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, They are typically very high level and they're talking about AI. And then also Science Daily. Um, So those are three sources that I like to read where it's providing, you know, just really good level-headed advice of the best ways to implement it. And most importantly, just use it yourself. Like I said, you know, in our previous one, you know, just download ChatGPT and start asking questions, use it, understand what it is. And, you you know, you'll be surprised that um, it's not this scary monster that, uh, you know, some people build it out to be. So, you know, it, it could, you know, overall, my hope is that it helps society. It can boost our overall GB. GDP and create jobs and find efficiencies in society. So sure. you know, over the anxiety and just use it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, technology is often, I mean, people are, are, are fearful of change and this is a big change and it's coming so quickly. Um, and for the creative entrepreneur can get run over by it or you can use it and control it. Ride the wave. Yeah. Exactly. So, All right. Uh, tossing it back to you. SEO. Google is indexing something new. Which yeah, you know, Google. Google is indexing CSV files, and and you know they may have been doing this for a while. There's debate about that, but they've had an update, and it seems like they are indexing it or at least paying attention to it in terms of, you know, when it comes to SEO, a lot of times we refer to citations at least your name out there. And if you develop some databases, think of think of the CSV file as a database and putting databases out there of information, information that you want to be found in some way, make a valuable list of information. Say you have a client, maybe it's you, maybe it's a list of specific, say, artists, maybe you're a photographer and and you make a list of photographers and put it out on the on the web. Now you can be the photographer in your area, but with your name, address, and all that information, link or without link, there are certain structure elements that maybe would suggest you don't want to put a link in there. There are some guidelines to how they're looking for this. They like uh, Google certainly likes schema. Is, is part of the markup language when it comes to uh, databases or, or pages specifically. But this is just one tool. This isn't, I'm not suggesting that, okay, you're now your whole SEO methodology is around CSV files. Not, not at all. It's just another way in which you can uh, get your name out there, 
get noticed by Google. Uh, and, and again, sometimes just one more of those little things can be very helpful in the process of adding authority to your domain that you now have for 100 years through WordPress. <laughs> yeah, for 100 years, you're locked in. So as I know CSV files from creating audiences in Facebook. So oftentimes, you know, we'll export a, a mail list from MailChimp or something like that. So is this an right. actual file that is being uploaded into your website, kind of like behind the scenes? Or yeah, what's... or it could be, you know, forward slash the name of the file if you put it up on your, you know, in, on your server. So, you know, your domain forward slash whatever the name dot CSV file, CSV. So just kind of like you can do with a PDF. For a, for a long time, we've known that uh, Google has indexed PDF files and, you know, other types of files. And it's there are different ways in which you can get the attention of Google or serve the Internet community with different types of files. It's not all HTML files. Uh, it, it, there are other ways to offer resources to the internet go for it question all right well rosh since you are have been my ai guru and the main person to you know show me what's what's up with it um i was i wanted to ask you what is uh, both your biggest surprise and your biggest frustration by using ai honestly my biggest surprise was the difference in the upgrades which is giving me pause to what's going to happen for example the difference between chat gdp3 and 4 uh, you know, it, it when you use one, you start to realize that how much smarter the other one is and more actually how intuitive four is versus three. I, I just talked with somebody the other day who's who works for a uh, major software company uh, that, you know, you probably use their their product and they're just using three. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They're coding with three. They, they and, and a lot of the, them use chat uh, the chat GDP to support them in their coding. Um, it's not, it's no secret. And I'm like, are you kidding? You know, just when you go to four, because it's intuitive. Uh, I, I think I maybe even mentioned before what, when I, when I'm coding with it and had, and I got timed out with four, especially in the earlier days, I got like, you, you have only so many queries that you can do in so many hours. And there's still a little bit of that, but not, it's not as bad. And I would have to go back to three, and I'd realize how not intuitive it is. And, you know, it would not just automatically do things or follow up with questions at the level. So as we get into the next level, say a chat GDB5, which isn't coming immediately, but is on its way, it, it, how much more intuitive and, and dare I say, human-like it will be. Right. And so I, I think... That that's what's surprising me. How big of a difference it, it, that it's not just more information; it's the way in which it interacts with you with that information, which is going to continue to evolve. And that was what was so surprising. And all all and so much so, going back to the other one, it's like you know, just going back to the dumb younger brother. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, you know, haven't you thought about these other things versus the more mature version that was really again, thinking about me. I mean, if you really get down to it, it was thinking about me and what I might do better or or just doing the little things for me that I would have to do that the other version wouldn't do. Like put in a code that was there, you know, say, no, put your code here. Well, the other one did it for me. So it's that kind of a thing. So that's that's what I thought. And, and I think that's just going to continue 
as it's integrated into things that we interact with on a daily basis, you know, robot, you know, dog robot, you know, whatever it may be, you know, speaker in the wall, it's just going to get better and better in terms of adapting to your needs and mine. Yeah, it's going to be become more and more that we're not even noticing that we're interacting with it. It's just yeah. part of our part of our yeah. life. Exactly. Exactly. I um you had some advice on making business easier. Yeah, you know, this is an old conversation that I've had and um it's it's really just going back to old school. So, you know, so when when you're a creative entrepreneur, you find a problem and, you know, you had a problem with a client. And that client you did something that you thought, man, that's never going to happen to me again. So you put it in a contract and then another thing happens and then you put another thing in a contract. And next thing you know, it's really hard to do business with you. And I think we've talked about this. I, I believe we have before at some level. And I I, I guess I, I, I thought I would throw it back to you with this whole idea. Are, what are some things that you've caught, maybe caught yourself doing that made it harder for you to do business or make it harder for people to do business with you, with you, but then you were corrected for it. Is there anything like that that you can think of? Because I think it's always a good conversation for us to kind of review our businesses and what have we done because of, in the sake of better term, the sins of past clients that we're now punishing future clients for? I, I like that. That's a good question. It makes me think, um, you know, definitely about our processes. Um I think earlier on when, you know, everybody who's a, a younger creative entrepreneur in their business, they, for some reason, always have a bit of imposter syndrome where you just don't feel like you're, you're bringing as much as, as you truly are. So, and um, oftentimes I find that I, I would take additional requests from clients and just kind of bend over backwards to get them done and not have the framework in place of like, no, this does take more time. I'm going to charge a little bit more. Yeah. Um, scope creep. Would, yeah. Yeah. I would go out of my way to, you know, make sure the client was happy and would go above and beyond consistently. And I never set anything up in our contracts of, you know, what if something takes three or four rounds of editing or what if they require an extra meeting to confirm things? And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, with our, with our agency, we started to have multiple employees that had to be a part of these meetings and these meetings start to get expensive. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I'm constantly perceived as, you know, Mr. Nice guy that can start to get taken advantage of. So, um, you know, those, those last minute edits or revisions or different things. And, you know, you get a sense with certain clients, if they're just going to be the type that are good with most things and, you know, we'll give an edit, but as long as you listen to that edit, they're okay. Or there are some that just don't feel like they're getting full quality of your services unless they're providing edits and feedback and making changes. And, um, you know, that can definitely get, get taken advantage of. So putting in those rules to make sure that, you know, your clients know that your time is, is what your time is worth. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll do one or two things here or there to, to go above and beyond to make sure the client relationship is good, but there's gotta be a line in the sand somewhere where you got to come back with some additional charges and make sure your time's compensated. So that's, I think yeah. one of my best things. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. Great way to go about it. Understanding that you need to have backstops. Uh, one way that we've done it in the past um, is, is that we'll actually send an invoice. We'll send an invoice, but, right. but give them credit for it. Say, this is how much this costs. And like we that. gave you a hundred percent credit. If it's mm. a big enough thing, you know, 
it's really getting into the scope creep area. And so we'll send them the invoice. Hey, no charge. But at least now they know the value of what it is that you did for them. That's and, really- and I have found that to be very helpful. You know, don't do it for every client and everything. But there are some things that you will do that for that just to say, hey, I'll follow. I'm going to follow up with an invoice on this. So you don't surprise them. You know, you don't, you don't just all of a sudden have an invoice. But say, hey, I'm going to send an invoice. You have full credit. But we just we need to keep a you know, track of what's going on. Right. Yeah. And that's a good way. And plus, even, you know, for your own record keeping at the end of the year, um, you know, those write-offs, if you will, you're looking at how much you're actually writing off in those, you know, client relationship kind of things. And that's a cost of doing business. It's part of your, you know, your operating costs. So it's a good way to keep track of it. I like that. I think I will uh, incorporate some of that. same. (laughs) Very good. Hey, Brian, it was great to see you. Have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to everybody on the next show. And don't forget, Creative entrepreneurshow.com. Yeah, send us a message if you want us to talk about any uh, topics in particular, if you're looking to be a guest, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you.